0: Hey, everybody. John Stewart here. I am here to tell you about my new podcast, The Weekly Show, coming out every Thursday. We're going to be talking about the uh, election, earnings calls. What are they talking about on these earnings calls? We're going to be talking about ingredient to bread ratio on sandwiches. I know you have a lot of options as far as podcasts go, but how many of them come out on Thursday? Listen to The Weekly Show with John Stewart on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Good evening Browns fans and welcome to OBR Weekly, uh, our fantabulous Wednesday Twitch broadcast from the OBR. My name is Barry McBride. I'll be attempting to host this evening as we talk with the legend, Mr. Freddie Greatham. How's it going, Fred?
0: Fabulous. Just got back <laughs> from Berea. Another exciting day and in the land of brown and orange, or orange and brown, whatever you want to call it, but yeah, it was good. Just come off the field this afternoon and fresh news, fresh information. Uh, excited to talk about it with everybody.
1: Absolutely, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, like we were saying before we came on the air, um, next three weeks. Uh, the Browns have media availability on uh, uh, Wednesday, and so we'll be able to come straight onto the program here and talk about what happened during the media's one day of availability during each OTA. Um, some interesting interviews uh, after the practice, uh, but we're going to be very interested in your take on what you saw uh, today. Uh, out on the practice field. Um, in terms of news, uh, J- Jadavian Clowney was officially signed. Um, we all knew he was going to sign last week, but that became official today. He put ink to paper and um, was therefore uh, present at OTAs. So he went straight out on onto the practice field. Um, Fred, you wrote about this earlier this week. Talk about what uh, Clowney means. Uh, to this Cleveland Browns defense. Well,
0: obviously they have, they still have some areas they could shore up, particularly the interior defensive line. But, but to me, that was such a big piece because having two pro bowl caliber defensive ends is much better than having one pro bowl uh, defensive end and having a big hole on the other side with a bunch of, unproven guys now the chase Winovich the rookie Alex Wright some of the guys you picked up Weatherly Rochelle you know they can battle for rotation but you have stalwarts at both ends we saw what Clowney can do when he's on the field last year and not only in that he could play interior and so without having really any starters back On the inside, you actually have the luxury now of even putting him in there if need be. But I think that makes all the difference in the world on the defense. And so now you have nine of the 11 starters returning on defense, which really played good in the second half of the season. I know a lot of people think, well, they didn't play any elite quarterbacks or whatever. Um, they, They played who they played, and they shut down, for the most part, everybody they played. In the final eleven games, I think they only gave up twenty six points. Over twenty six points once, and most offenses should be able to score. You know that, especially with with what they have now on the offensive side. So, no, I think it was huge. I think it was a big signing for him, and now everything can fall into place. Um, he was out on the field today. I was a little surprised, but I think it was he was in town, like you said. He officially signed today. So, you know, I I first saw him out there and they said he'd be out there. I thought he was just going to stand and watch. But actually, I posted on Twitter a couple of drills, him, you know, and they were kind of, you know, yelling at him and, and he was, you know, fist pumping. And he looked like he was having a good time being glad to be back there. Talked to Anthony Walker about him and he just said, you know, that he texted him about coming back a month or so ago and and Clowney didn't respond. And then after he had signed, he texted him again or reached agreement. And he just texted back with two words. Super Bowl. So right. that was a good good sign to hear. Now I'm writing about Clowney. And we'll post it either later tonight or first thing in the morning. What he, he was going to talk today, but he's kind of reclusive. He really doesn't like to go out and spend a lot of time with the media. And when they said he they were hopeful, I didn't figure he would speak. But um, it was good to see him out there. And I just think that it's a big signing. I think more than anything, the continuity, 9 out of 11 starters is pretty good. And now they've added depth at corner at safety, at linebacker, and defensive line. And really, the interior two positions are the biggest question marks. But as Jake and some of our other film people pointed out, our our run defense from Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell, really wasn't that great anyway. So right. they still may add somebody, but it might be, let's see what we got in training camp and go from there.
1: Right, right. Um Paul Spencer notes uh, regarding uh, the beginning of OTAs that we actually have something to talk about. And this is, this is critical, Paul. I appreciate you, you jumping in on this uh, because hopefully it will spawn some questions and comments uh, because the more questions and comments we have in the chat, uh, the less we have to go to my notes, of course, has been well-established and generally the less I talk, which makes the show better. Uh, So please hit us up with your questions and comments so you hear more of Fred and less of me. Um, In the meantime, uh, I have a question from our friend Mike uh, Hay, uh, who uh, I've been conversing with via the PM system. And we had two rookies who are not signed, uh, Cade York and Perry and Winfrey, uh, who have not inked their contracts yet uh were they at OTAs today practicing anyway or did they miss him
0: well Winfrey if you look at my Twitter I have a picture of him yeah he was practicing um I think when they're not officially signed they sign waivers or something like that I don't know mm-hmm. what the technicality is but York was also out there now interesting note I didn't put it in my notes but they are repainting and and doing the goalposts and they have no goalposts up there. So he's not out there kicking. Um, I did see him. He, and what Stefanski said, they've been going down to the stadium, which is probably better anyway. Yeah. and So he's been kicking down at the stadium, but yeah, he was there. I didn't, we haven't seen him kick because like I said, they're putting in new goalposts. And they weren't up. So it was kind of noticeable that there was no skinny goalposts. One thing, if you've ever been out to Berea, the goalposts for the kick are like half the size of a normal one. I don't know Mm -hmm. how they make them. they are trying to make them, you know, really perfect. Then when you see the other ones, but uh, yeah, it looks like they're painting them because they were all sitting against the shed with, it looked like bright paint on them. So it's kind of interesting. They didn't get them back up in time for this camp, but right No, I saw both of them actually.
1: Okay, good. So there's only five guys
0: through. not there. And I, I wrote them right. in my notes. Um, one of
1: them, one of them is Baker. I, we'll get, actually, let's jump to that right now. Uh, uh, Baker, of course, was not there um, for some reason. I, you know, I thought that was obvious to everyone that he wouldn't show up. But last week, it was somehow somebody said something about Baker not being there. And uh, a bunch of people wrote stories about it. I, You know, Bleacher Report and Pro Football Talk and others thought it was newsworthy. I did not. Uh, I thought it was pretty obvious that Baker wasn't going to be there. But the other four that were missing, Miles Garrett, Joe Batonio, Mr. Conklin, and Mr. Njoku, uh, we're all gone from uh, camp today. Uh, are there any of those absences that concern you in the slightest, Fred?
0: <laughs> no. Um, okay, <laughs> let's go down. There's five. Baker Mayfield. I right. think the reason people were saying surprise he wasn't there is because guys like Florio and others were saying they need he needs to show up to make things awkward for the for the team or whatever. Well, that. Like I said, that'd probably be more, uh, more awkward for him than anything when you are really? go sit on the bleachers or go, you know, stand by yourself somewhere. So that's an obvious. Okay, Conklin's coming off major surgery. I don't even know. All we hear is he's ahead of schedule and he's doing well in his rehab. I mean, it's not even a question he's going to be ready for training camp or the regular season, so even if he's probably in the building because they said that he is, he was rehabbing in, in Berea. So no, the third one, I'll say Najoko. He's not signed. He, he hasn't signed his tender yet to be a franchise you know, player. He's hoping to get his extension done quickly. And that's why there was some rumors that he might even sign. I think Brad said that he might sign it in the next day or two the tender so he could practice. But so that's three of them. So it leaves you with Batonio who let's see, he just signed a big, big extension and he's a pro bowl perennial guard. And then you got miles Garrett, who I think is on vacation somewhere. Right. Tweeting about, you know, some of the, the things going on in the world today, but no, I mean, last year, if you remember, J.C. Tretter was the president, and he still is the president, as far as I know, of the NFLPA. And they were going to boycott, not go to OTAs because of COVID and all that. Mm-hmm. And so almost all the team on offense did not because J.C. Tretter was leading the charge. Well, J.C. Tretter's not here anymore. Right. But I think Joel Batonio and a couple of them said, you know, yeah, why do we need to go to this? So right. if you well, worried they are about- voluntary if you're worried about miles Garrett being able, I mean, all these guys, to be honest, right. If, if, if Deshaun Watson plays and they can score the points that they're planning on playing, you want to just make sure miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney and all of them are able to play in December and January. You know, that's the biggest thing is, right. um, now, I'm not worried about May, you know, showing up to this stuff. Because in my years of coverage, there used to be a thing called holdouts. And at this time of the year, it seemed like you had dozens of guys not showing up to this kind of stuff because they were holding out. Right? Browns are in a pretty good position, to be honest with you. So, yeah. um, no, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they were at – practice tomorrow we don't know it they come and go next wednesdays the next day we're there it might be by you know pictures the browns put out they might put out pictures tomorrow and you might see a garrett or batonio in the background or something or practicing but i'm not too concerned about it
1: yeah i uh i agree nothing to worry about there uh miles garrett is going to be fine joel batonio is going to be fine uh, it's all going to all going to work out. Uh, I'd like to point out that Eco uh, has just subscribed for seven months in a row. So thanks uh, to Eco for doing that. Uh, and if you want to be cool like him, uh, just subscribe to the OBR. That gives us a little remuneration for our effort here uh, that uh, I can use to buy more beer. And uh, it also, I think, gives you some things like notifications when we go on the air and extra uh emote icons you can use and stuff like that but it's just a way to say you know sort of thank you for doing these and we do appreciate eco and and all of our subscribers uh for joining up here um we we do have one question i need to address very very quickly um in that question is what about cookie uh where is the barking and i am very happy to say that uh uh, the weather is nice and she is out on the deck and will not bother us tonight. So this will be a cookie-free broadcast, uh, really raising the level of professionalism, Fred, uh, that we're, we have on display here, which is normally very high, but uh, I appreciate even higher it. tonight. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, you uh, you pride yourself on the professionalism of uh, this broadcast. Uh, let's, um, let's go to some of the questions we're getting. One is from Fumble 13 and he wants to know what year you started covering, uh, the Browns Fred, uh, it's just a couple years back, you know, just a short time ago. Right.
0: Yeah. You want to know how old I am. (laughs) Actually, actually I was an intern getting my, um, master's degree at Kent state in the training camp of 1981. And um, my Brian Sype, they were coming right off red, right? 88. I was an intern. And uh, at the end of the, at the end of my internship uh, the Browns had started a publication called Browns news illustrated. I had not done any writing, but during my internship, I wrote some stories that got published. They asked me to stay on and be a writer for Browns News Illustrated. So I did that for two years um, before I went to move to Phoenix to be a coach. That's what I went to school. I wanted to coach college baseball, actually. I went out to Arizona and was out there seven, eight years. Ended up moving back to uh, Ohio in 1989, became the editor of Browns News Illustrated. And uh, then when the team moved in 95, um, I went back to my other business, insurance business, and then the team returned in 1999. I was hired by the Browns again for ClevelandBrowns.com. I was their uh, writer when they came back for the first three years and then had a contact with Bernie Kozar when he had Bernie's Insiders and uh, went over there. It be A guy named Barry McBride was running it for him. And he called me and I went over there and we changed the name shortly thereafter the OBR orange and Brown report been pretty much doing that since we did have a stint with Fox sports, Ohio and so mm-hmm. forth. But so unless you don't count the years that the team wasn't here, you know, I've been about 32, 33 years covering the team because Make there was feel like a noob. There I mean, was I, about I, eight. Eight years. I I actually, when I was in Arizona, I was working with the USFL. The Arizona Wranglers had a team, and one of my contacts with the Browns was running the Arizona Wranglers, and so they wrote me in to start writing for them, and I did that when I was in Arizona, you know, in the spring, and had a hand in bringing Frank Minifield, Kevin Mack, some of those guys to the Browns. I'll tell you that story some other time, but, um, you know. So, yeah, I've been doing it quite a while, seen a lot of things change quite a bit, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, things have definitely changed over the years. Um, when you were starting to get involved in 1981, I was in college, and uh, one of my fondest memories was during that site Cardiac Kids run, being at a bar, which I think was sort of a, uh, I'm not going to use the term, but let's say sort of country and Western oriented uh, bar, and they played that uh, Twelve Days of Browns Christmas thing, and uh, I remember that very fondly. Like everybody in the bar was singing along with it and stuff like that. That was I was I was not imagining I would wind up somehow working Cleveland Browns at the time, but uh, long time ago, and uh, tons of experience here on this OBR team. Let's let's put it. Well, that I'll way.
0: tell you, you know. I was an intern there's four interns three from Ohio U and one from Kent State. I was the token Kent Stater and <laughs> we were the security back then. There was no such thing as team security like now they have the secret service, you know, they originally. And yeah. there was 10 to 12,000 people at practice at Kent State virtually every day because the expectations as you can imagine coming off a of red right 88 and us four were the trying to keep these people off the field. We had these little strings that we held up, you know, well, good luck with that. But I remember I had players climbing in the building. They stayed in the dorm at Kent state. And and I, I had Tom Darden and Ozzie Newsome one night after curfew climbing in the window. And I turned around they both gave me the shh. <laughs> and, uh, it was, I mean, it was hilarious. We had six hour shifts sitting at the, in the dorm at the gate. And, yeah. uh, checking the players in, see if they were in on time. Good times, but I have a lot of stories. I had to drive Brian Seip, Brian Sype to practice every day because he was being mobbed. It was about two miles from the dorm to Kent State. They didn't stay in a luxury hotel. They stayed in the dorm, the college dorm, the players, but they had to drive down to practice, and there were so many people knew what his car looked like that they mobbed him, and he couldn't get in the gate. So they started... Given him the key to the back. I drove with him in his car, dropped him off at the back gate. No lie. And then right. went and parked the car out front. In the first few days, everybody come running to the car. The first <laughs> time I got out, I got out and one of the fans goes, it's not Psype, It's Dino Hall. Cause they had a kick returner back then. That was like about my size. And I uh, love Dino was, Hall.
1: Dino Hall was, was one of my favorite players.
0: So Back there's some kid days. somewhere that's grown up that has a Fred Greetham on his Cause I said, I'm not doing <laughs> Sign it. So I just went ahead and signed stuff anyway.
1: <laughs> that is incredible. And of course, these days you, you, you would never dream of having. I got to know like site really
0: well, you know?
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, he was, he was a star. He had that one incredible year. He had a, he had a nice career here in Cleveland and, uh, Good career as a coach afterwards. Um, let's uh, let's stick with the questions because those are taking us in a good direction. And uh, please feel free to uh, hit us up uh, with uh, with any questions that you might have. Um, uh, a, a couple of them here. Um, Fumble thirteen wants to talk what, about what you saw today uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson and his arm strength. And I saw a couple of the videos he had on your Twitter feed and uh, granted, you know, they're uh, uh, not playing active defense, but uh, he looked like there was no problem flipping that ball downfield for Deshaun Watson. So he wants to know if, there, if there's a d- visible difference in the arm strength between Mayfield and, and Watson.
0: Great question. I, I had the top of my list here. One word that um... – that describe what I saw today, first time, yeah, like at no pads and that kind of stuff, athleticism. The difference just in athleticism between this guy and what we had in the past, no disrespect to what we had, this guy is super athletic. I mean, the way he was moving around so smoothly around, you know, just being able to dodge around, you know, anybody that came his way. But um, his arm looked pretty doggone good to me, but it looked very effortlessly. You know, it just like looked like he was just flicking the wrist. Now, I, I didn't really gauge, you know, okay, what's that say about arm strength? But I saw him put the money, put the ball on the money on a couple deeper balls. I, I had one on Twitter, David Bell. Now I got taken to task, but the last <laughs> I looked, it had 25,000 views already. Wow! It said, "I said David Bell made a a a nice diving catch." Well, as I was tweeting it, but I I looked real later and basically made a great catch, but he stumbled and fell down after because he was so far out there, so he didn't really oh, die. Okay. It was more like he fell down. Everybody's giving me a hard time about it, and I'm like, "Well, hey, it got you to look at the video, didn't it?" Because we got exactly like, a lot a lot of views, but. But no, he was throwing the ball well, you know, and and, uh, they said he's going to be rusty. Well, I'd take that rust any day. I mean, I knew this when they made the move on the football field. And Anthony Walker, I wrote that in my story. I quoted him. He said he's an elite playmaker and he's an elite quarterback. And I, I really agree with that. We know all the baggage going on. I know that's a big deal and i know it's a big deal for a lot of people but there's no question the athleticism and the 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 ability that that he has and so i think he will elevate the play on a lot of these guys and that's part of the reason why you haven't seen them maybe get a veteran number 2 receiver cuz the guys like Schwartz and, and Peoples Jones and Bell all looked better, you know, even just in the offense out there. Um, just with a guy, you know, kind of throwing them open. And so I think when you get to see him on the field, I think that it'll be impressive. So very athletic. We knew that was what he had from the past. But Anthony Walker, the reason it was significant to me is because. He played for the Colts. They were in the division with the Texans, and he faced them as like the guy calling the plays on the defense for two, twice a year for like three years. And he just, you know, had a lot of praise for him. You can see my interview with him, you know, on Twitter. But yeah, very athletic, and I was impressed with what I saw. And I, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I realize it, but very strong looking i was expecting him to maybe be a little i don't know athletic but not as muscular his his legs right. and lower body is really strong
1: yeah um definitely a guy who's gonna show us some things on the field that uh uh you know we haven't seen here in cleveland in the last 30 years uh if not uh further back than that um Just hopefully he gets on the field here relatively soon. Going to continue to go through your uh, comments and questions. And uh, just wanted to give a shout out to Dog DC, who, uh, as uh, I know, uh, has been an OBR member for years and uh, testify, Dog DC, appreciate it, Uh, you being a a member for a long time and uh, helping support the work that we do. Um, we need to talk.
0: The acclaimed Showtime original docu-series Couples Therapy returns with an addictive and revealing new season. Dr. Orna is back in session, helping four new couples grapple with real issues from religion and sex to polyamorous power dynamics. Collider says Couples Therapy is like nothing else on TV. It's break up or breakthrough on the new season of Couples Therapy, now streaming with a Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Visit paramountplus.com to try it free. Exclusively on Paramount Plus. Yo, what's up, It was meant to be a farewell concert, but it changed the music industry forever. We gotta do it again. And launched the careers of countless artists. We had all been underground bands, but that was changing.
1: All while giving the mainstream
0: the middle finger. That's entertainment. Don't miss this three part docuseries that was 30 years in the making Lala, La, the story of Lollapalooza. New docuseries now streaming, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.
1: Another question, I don't know if there was any chatter about this at all, or if anybody asked Stefanski about it. It's not really his wheelhouse. Uh, It has to do with David Njoku and his contract. There's some reporting out there that he's close to signing a new deal for an extended contract. Did they talk about that at all today at, at the OTAs, Fred?
0: No, it's typically coaches you know, Stefanski's the same. He only talks about those that are there when asked about why miles wasn't there or what or some of the others. It was, look, it's voluntary. We've always said it's voluntary. It's up to the players, whether they want to go and, you know, and, and I get that, but like I spelled out earlier, they have, they had 87 on the roster and I know Jack said, there's really like Hooper that doesn't count and somebody, I don't know who else. Um, but of the guys there, they had all but five, and I think it was really two that just didn't show up. Najoku is not under contract, so he's not gonna be there. Mayfield, we know, and and Conklin's rehabbing. So I think when you are looked at as the best guy on the team, you know, you don't have to show up. Now, yeah, does it doesn't mm-hmm. look good if you show up, but I don't think it's a big deal, but no, he's not going to talk about any of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh more of an Andrew Barry thing. And he uh, uh, was not around. Um,
0: well, he's asking I'll... if I can confirm it. I mean, I, I have heard some things, but I can't confirm he's close to signing. I know Brad mm-hmm. thought he was um, within it, going to at least sign the franchise tag. So he would, But I think he's wanting – I think the reason he hasn't because he wants to get the extension done. So right. I I wouldn't be surprised if that got done, you know, here real quickly because I don't think they want to go until July, you know, the deadline. I think is the 15th just before training camp. I think they want to get it done before training camp.
1: Right, right. Uh, I should point out that Fumble uh, 13 still has the 45 of the 12 days of Brown's Christmas. I don't know if that's a – valuable collector's item or not. Only with, it would have a small audience of people interested in it. But uh, props to you for uh, having such a cool item. Uh, let's go to some of the questions that we have here. Uh, this one comes from Dogbone42. And Dogbone42 asks, how will they use Felton this year? And uh, what's your opinion about whether he's on the bubble or not?
0: You know it's interesting. I know Brad has said that he is uh, going to be exclusively with the running backs. Um, I actually talked to Felton. Uh, I was at a at a Browns backers get together last month in Rochester, New York, with him, and I talked to him. Got to know him pretty well. He actually came over when he's coming off the field to talk to me, and we just small talk. But I said I saw you're just with the running backs. He said, "Yeah." Um, that's, that's where I've been up till now. I'm hoping, you know, to get to go over and and show what, you know, work with the wide receiver. So, um, sounds like, you know, that everything what Brad is saying so far has been true. I think that they want to see what they have on the running back side of it. I think they know what he can do with the wide receiver. And he was also out with the rotation, you know, on kick returns. And, and so his nickname With Swiss army knife. And I think that's really what would make the team for him right now as the roster stands. I really think that, you know, he's in a battle with Ford. If they keep, you know, hunt and Johnson on the roster. Um, I don't know a lot of variables. Will you keep Johnny Stan? Will you keep a fullback or will you just go with running backs? If I can't really see him Maybe maybe having more than, you know, four, and that just depends on how they they come down with Stanton. But I think what also is marketable is who has a better chance to stick it on a practice squad. You know, like, you know, as Ford would be snatched up by another team, they might keep him on the roster and put. Felton on the practice squad or something like that. But I think they like him because of his versatility and we always have camp injuries. You always have things that change. Um, I really think, yeah, I think he's, he's in a battle to see if he can be a running back. And that's probably why he's in the running back room to see if they can go with him. If they were to trade Dearnest Johnson or if they were to, you know, trade Kareem Hunt. I don't think they're planning on doing that because I think they have big aspirations this year. It could actually, you know, and this is just me, it could actually come down to what happens with Watson. If Watson gets suspended for a big chunk of the year, they might decide to trade Hunt. But if they, you know, if they have the full roster and they're making the run for the Super Bowl, you know, I don't think they would, you know. But I don't know if they'll keep dearness johnson at 2.5 million because you'd have 14 million in the three running backs
1: yeah that's, that's a lot to invest in that particular uh, particular position uh and yeah I, I do agree too that felton and ford i mean uh, ford I, I i've i've heard mentioned in terms of uh being able to run back kicks so he's got some you know swiss army knife uh attributes as well um So it's going to be an interesting battle uh, in camp. So thank you for that question, Dogbone42. If you have any more, fire them away, and we'll get them into the program. Uh, This next question comes from our friend Doughboy82, and he says, what's the plan at tight end? Wait to see what they have in camp. Maybe pick up a vet during camp. Uh, Ask about Rudolph. Um, What do you think, Fred? Do you think that they're going to pick up a vet or – you know, they they, they picked up uh, a guy yesterday who b- bounced around practice squads, but I don't think that's what Doughboy is referring to, um, more of a proven, proven veteran. What do you think is going to happen there?
0: Well, I think a lot does, you know, with the makeover in the offense, I really think they're moving away a little bit from the three tight end schemes. You might still see some of that, but I think that, you know, when Najoku and Bryant, you might just see a lot of two tight ends as as their multiple look. Um, right now, they're loading up on tight ends and, and looking, you know, they've been looking at these basketball types. Uh, there's three. They have six, I think, on the roster right now. And three of them have those real long names with hyphens in them. <laughs> right. um, they're big on hyphens. You know, they're intrigued a little bit with Marco Santos Silva. You know, he's the Texas tech basketball player. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think he could be a practice squad, you know, type candidate. Um the kid from Alabama was on the practice squad all year last year, Forrestall. He might be have the inside track right now at, at third tight end. I don't know. I again, I don't know. And Johnny Stanton, you know, could be where if he's the only fullback, but he can play tight end, maybe you go with something like that. A guy can play tight end and fullback, you know, that type position. I don't know, but I don't think they're too worried about it. Um, right now, I just think it's it's mainly Najoku and Harrison Bryant, and then they go from there. If you have an injury, obviously that changes things, but um, don't think they're too concerned I think that they feel like they got enough playmakers um, without a third tight end. They, they they let Austin Hooper go way before they made any of these other moves they made. So I, I just see them kind of seeing what they have. But I, I really think that if you're going to tailor it to the skill set of Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett. I think it's going to be more run pass options and more rollouts and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe, maybe more three wide receivers as opposed to three tight ends.
1: Right. Right. Um, Another uh, Dimitri Felton oriented question. This comes from Doughboy. Uh, He says, "Will Felton even make the team. Uh, They said they're focused. He's focusing on our running back this year as he relayed to you today uh if we don't trade hunt i don't see a spot for felton uh do you agree with that do you think he could make the team if uh, kareem hunt is still here or do you think that you know some room needs to open up there to to bring him in
0: well like i said a lot of it depends on you know what they do at fullback um and, you know, even like I said, the numbers are tight end, if you have lower numbers, they've been rostering like four tight ends in the past couple years. And, uh, and so anything can happen. I think they know what they have, you know, in Felton in the receiving. And I think that might be why they're saying he's, he's focused on a running back. They want to see if he can, you know, Duke Johnson kind of was known as a receiver, um, could he run the ball, and, and he showed that he could. You want to know if you move on from Johnson or Hunt, do you have a future here? Because let's say Hunt and Johnson are in the last year of their deal, even if they play out this year, then you you, you lose them both. Who's going to back up Chuck, Jerome Ford? That's your only option. No, mm-hmm. could it could it be could it be Felton? Could it be Felton and Ford? And so I think all those things in the equation, that's why it's a big training camp and a big preseason to see between the tackles can, can Felton really be a legitimate running back. He got seven carries last year. So. Right. You, you don't even know what you have as a NFL running back. So I think anything can happen and, and it truly is competition. So many times in the past with the Browns, it's just been whoever's been on the roster is who plays now they mm-hmm. actually have depth at a lot of these positions. So they're right. going to be cutting guys. It'll probably go to other teams. I said last year that Dearness Johnson was a good player. And especially when the Ravens lost JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards at the beginning of training camp, I said, the Browns might keep him even though that's more than normal having Chubb and hunt because you cut him. He'll probably be the starting running back for the Baltimore Ravens. He's very right. talented, and we saw that during the year. So um, that's why, <clears throat> you know, you got good players. You just got to sort it out. And I think then dollars and cents come in, you know. And this year, Dearness Johnson, if he is under that tender, is $2.4 million. So they might say, well, we like you, but I don't know if we can do $2.4 million. So maybe, you know, that's where Drew Rosenhaus comes into play and demands a trade or something because just like Cadero Hodge they can cut you at the end of camp and you don't really get anything and so um that that's where um you know the agent might push it like he did when he was the agent for Duke Johnson they traded right. him so I don't I don't know but I do think that anything's on the table if if a team come along and said hey we'll give you a third round pick for DeErnest Johnson I think they do that and then they have Ford and Felton to maybe pick up the slack there. So if not too many times, do you lose your top two running backs? But fortunately last year when they lost their top two running backs, you know, and, and hunt for the majority of the season, that you had De'Ernest Johnson to step in.
1: Right. Right. Um, and behind that offensive line, it, I think they make it a lot easier for, running backs to, uh, to look good uh, with those two uh, pro bowl level guards in front of them. A couple of just quick notes. E Gillen just subscribed for nine months in a row. He's also a frequent gifter of subscriptions. And thank you for that. E Gillen, as well as Red Leader 74. Uh, I love that name, by the way, just subscribed for uh, three months in a row. So thanks guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Eco, as we are worried about guys like Demetric Felton and if they would survive on the practice squad, uh, Eco asked if teams can still protect some of those players uh, now that COVID is receded into history a little bit. Um, have you heard of any changes in the practice squad rules, uh, Fred?
0: Well, something just came out as we're on the show. And Rappaport said that update players i think can be brought back from injury reserve um during the season um i i really was trying in between questions but i didn't read the whole thing there was something about okay. practice squad i mean i'm going to look at it afterwards unless well you know i'll see okay six veterans allowed on the practice squad three elevations allowed now okay But without reading the details, um, there's more to it. But they've come out with it. So I think Ian Rappaport just posted it, if you follow him on Twitter.
1: Right. So uh, take a look at that. See if there have been any uh, significant changes there. Um, Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Paul K. Spencer wants to know, since he's been working with me since 2002 or 2003, what it's been like having to carry a slacker like me around. And I think surely from the bulk perspective, uh, it's got to be very, very difficult for anyone to carry me around at at this point in time. But uh, he wants to know, do you want to make any comments, Fred, or uh, just just move on to less delicate subjects?
0: You're talking about talking about my employer? I'll I'll plead the fifth. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that is a good idea. That is a very, very good idea. Um, let's see here. Uh, other questions. This comes from Fumble Thirteen. He says, "Guys, would you pay Joku thirteen million a year? Um, what did you? Uh, uh, what do you think about that figure? I know we talked about this a little bit last week, and last week you weren't all that crazy about it. Still feel the same way?"
0: Yeah, I mean, nothing's really changed. I mean, he's okay. A line, you know, that's used a lot is looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. I mean, since the day he showed up and as a first round pick, he's like an Adonis specimen. You know, he walks around with no shirt on all the time out on practice field. And he's and he, but unfortunately, this is more of a. It's not a beauty contest. And we saw, I think it was Baker's rookie year, it looked like he was really breaking out. He had like 56 catches and and he just w- had a big year. And then he kind of went into the doghouse with Freddie Kitchens and disappeared, mm-hmm. demanded to be traded. And he it took him a while to come out of that funk. And then in Stefanski's offense, they're rotating three tight ends and they're really not, you know, effectively using all of them in, in my opinion. Now, last year, you saw some, some uh, you know, you saw, well, at the end of 2020, he seemed to change his attitude and start blocking and buying in, and then he wanted to stay here. And you really saw him being more and more productive. I think partly in opening up the Hooper move and people asking about getting more tight ends, I think the plan is to use Najoku and Harrison Bryant a lot more and to get a lot more targets. And I would not be surprised to see Najoku have a, a big, big year. My biggest question is, is you're paying potential because I think 13 million a year is top five tight end. And I would not put him up there with Kelsey or Kittle. I don't know who the other, I think Goddard might be the one of the top five, but I guess if that's what it takes to to get it done, I I heard that what was hanging it up was the guaranteed money, which usually is what it is, you know, whether it's one one year guaranteed or two years guaranteed or whatever. Um, but I mean, at this point, I think the Browns have kind of put themselves a little bit. They've talked about it for so long, um, you know, unless they're really gonna. You know, you're at this point going in the season. Are you just going to have him upset again? And then you're right. just left with Harrison Bryant. So that's why I think it'll get done. Might be a little more than than I would pay, but it's not my money. And they have the salary cap space. To me, yeah, he's the last do. He's the last guy really, you know, remember all that list a year ago. What are they going to do with Chilla? What are you going to do with Mayfield? What are you going to do with Ward? What are you going to do with Teller? What are you going to do? Mm. They got them all done except Mayfield and and they basically made that trade-off. They paid the money to Watson. Um, and Njoku's the last man standing. So why in the world wouldn't you just get that done? Right. I think that's what they're gonna do.
1: Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. They're they're paying him more for what he could be than what he has been. Uh, but uh, you know, still considerable upside with David Njoku. Uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, Eco wants to know if Stanton will get reps at H-back or tight end. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, You know, you you get to see a little bit in OTAs, probably nothing with regard to uh, them mixing Stanton up at this point. Uh, Did you see him on the field today? Was he playing fullback? What was he doing?
0: To be honest, there's 87 guys out there. I tried to get around each position group, but other than seeing him going through reps with the, you know, with the running backs, I didn't even notice if he was out there in 11 on 11 or not. Um, I don't think so because most of the stuff was seven on seven. I don't even know if they did 11 on 11 because they don't even have an offense or a defense. This is, they're just installing stuff right now. Right. And uh, so I mean, to be honest with you, you're looking at a sea of humanity, you know, it's like stars, Mm -hmm. even like Denzel Ward. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's on the team. I forgot it. You know, and guys (laughs) like John Johnson, you know, there you, I mean, there's so many out there that you just like, unless you're really looking for them, you kind of forget them.
1: Right. Right. Um, We'll see if he makes a mark at some point during uh, OTAs or camp. We'll certainly be out there every opportunity we get. And if we see anything, we'll let you know. Um, not a sub- subject that I was really excited to talk about uh, today. Uh, I don't think that Fred or I, you know, bring any particular expertise uh, from a legal perspective or anything like that. Um, but Doughboy wants to know about thoughts about last night's accusers on HBO. Um, I watched that segment uh, today. Um, You know, I can't tell you who's telling the truth and who's not telling you the truth. Um, I can say that, um, you know, it's a very, very difficult situation. Uh, We have heard, you know, via press reports that NFL is nearing the end of the investigation. Um, Roger Goodell said that yesterday. Fred, at at what point does the mystery of any suspension for Deshaun Watson – really start to affect the team. Do you think we're at that point already, or are we talking about this is still a mystery heading into training camp? Uh, does it cause real problems for the team?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I've been around these guys. Like I said, I did an event with Demetric Felton. Um, I I watched today Watson when, when Walker was getting, doing his press conference. Watson came up and gave him a box, gift wrap box. And I didn't, I didn't put two and two together, but some of my colleagues saw that it said Rolex on it. It was probably a lot of them speculated he gave up his Jersey, you know, so Watson could wear number four. Right, And uh, they love the guy. They do not look at this stuff. Like the fans are looking at this. I understand it's a big deal, but these guys, his peers, this isn't, this isn't a big deal, you know, looking at him. Nick Chubb, who I think is one of the most respected guys on the team, when mm-hmm. we talked to him, he said the players love him. Now, it doesn't hurt that he just took them all to the Bahamas, but I'm not seeing, you know, obviously they don't make the decisions on, but that makes a long play in the locker room. As far as what's going on outside, Yeah, obviously it's, I didn't watch, I didn't watch it. It's nefarious. I mean, but I've been covering these teams for 30 years. And if, if I told you things I know about certain players, you wouldn't, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't like them anyway themselves. And so my job is to cover the team, not to, you know, condemn, you know, you know, or, or make the judgment on somebody off the field. Obviously the, 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 Prosecute or not prosecute, whoever the lawyer is who's leading this charge is trying to get the court of public opinion to to put a big charge against Watson, even though he wasn't charged in court. To me, you know, that kind of tells quite a bit. I don't think that he committed crimes, but I think obviously it's it's nefarious behavior to say the least. And right. so, if that's if that's what you know that that they're making the decision on, you're going to get some type of you know suspension. I just think yes, it's like it's like getting sick. You just want to get it over with, you know? Is it going to be four games, six games, eight games, ten games the season? It's not fair to the Browns, especially if you go beyond the beginning of training camp. You know, Goodell said they're coming to the end. They hope to have it, you know, before. The season well it's like well that'd be nice I mean how do you prepare even now for your first games if you don't know who your quarterback's going to be so it's not fair to the Browns if they don't you know make the decision here soon I think most people just want to get it over with and and then if you're going to suspend them then he can just settle and get it all behind him so you don't have to carry this on into next year because yeah. seeing the right things about not settling and going to trial. But if they suspend him this year, then you risk things, you know, during a trial being drug out and then the NFL could do it again next year. So yeah. just get over with and be done with it. The lawyer for Watson said that they, there was talk about settling, but you know, at this point you're declaring your, your, um, guilty and if you're not going to be suspended by the nfl then why would you do that if you if you settle now they're going to suspend you for sure but if they do suspend you then you have no reason to wait just get it done and get it behind you so i don't know if that's what they'll do but i i didn't watch it so i don't know but i'm sure a lot of this stuff happened it comes down to you know consensual not consensual you know at least what i'm gathering And I'm not saying, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, it's above me, you know, to decide who's, who's lying, who's not.
1: Right. It's certainly above our pay grade, uh, yours and mine, both Um, to, to reach any conclusions there. um, Fred's a football guy. I'm a technology, whatever type guy. uh, And neither of us bring any special expertise to the matter, but we have opinions like everybody else does. Uh, Dog DC asks, uh, death and DT, any rumors of Andrew Berry reaching out to Eddie Goldman? I have to say, Fred, I have not heard that one, and I follow just about anything that says Cleveland Browns on it that comes out in the media. Um, you know, it's more of a, a Lane or Brad question, but uh, uh, you hearing any you know buzz about uh Browns looking at any veteran defensive tackles?
0: I mean, what you're seeing now, you know, the Jadavian Clownies, the Kyle Fullers, the leftover free agents, veterans that are out there, teams are just plucking them to fill a spot or a roster spot. And I have not heard that name other than I think somebody asked me that and asked the insiders, um, or it was somewhere that I got it. Right. Um, you know, Akeem Hicks, for some reason, he hasn't signed. I think what's happening, like, today, they had Taven Bryant and uh, Jordan Elliott out there with the first team. Obviously, it's May. You know, Brian's a former number one draft choice. Andrew Barry likes those guys. It's probably somebody he was high on in the draft. He got drafted in the first round, basically hadn't done a lot. And so I think they're going to see what they have there. They have Perrion Winfrey they drafted. They have uh, Glenn Logan. They have Tommy Togiai. They have Sheldon Day. There's probably six, seven guys there. They're kind of throwing it against the wall, seeing what they have. And I believe that they have a list of the guys like Eddie Goleman, Akeem Hicks. And I believe that they would bring somebody like that in for training camp if they just don't feel good enough. You know, and it could even be after these OTAs, they get a feel going into the mandatory mini camp in middle of June. They could bring in a veteran. But I think with the team and the aspirations they have, I don't think they're going to take it, take a chance on having nothing on the inside there. Like I said, Clowney was a big signing, and they know they can move him in there too. So I think Sheldon Day played last year and played pretty well at times. And I think they're hoping Jordan Elliott does like Nick Harris, steps up and takes the job. Right. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But, um, no, I have not heard anything close. Now, I did get something today. A guy swears that that Sue is coming to talk to the Browns and is interested because he's, he's close with Clowney. And this isn't mm-hmm. just a play on going back to Tampa Bay. That happened a couple years ago and I wouldn't have been surprised I said that he's probably just trying to leverage the Browns to get a better deal and go back to Tampa. They said, no, it's a different case. So I can't confirm that, but we'll see if that happens this weekend there, that would be the answer to your question. I see Paul just put that up there. So Sue is is a guy on the radar. At least I've heard a rumor about that.
1: Right. <laughs> and we have a, a comment from Doughboy. That Goldman, Hicks, and Sue are all too expensive and old. Sue isn't leaving Tampa. The Browns have no interest, just other writers making guesses and calling it news. That's how the Sue thing started. And then uh, Brad came out and provided a little bit of background on the lack of contact between the Browns and Indomitian and Sue. Um, so I would tend to agree with you, Doughboy. At the same time, I might feel a little more confident if there were one of those veterans around. Uh, helping to fight for positions, but uh, uh, Fred, I, you know, Elliot stepping up and claiming the spot is certainly the best uh, possible route for the Browns. Um, Just uh, uh, would work out from a financial perspective and from a youth perspective and all that. So let's hope that that happens. Uh, Last call for any questions. We've only got a couple minutes left in the show uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, Greg Newsom uh, playing the slot. Um, uh, Is this a change that uh, you like, Fred, putting Greedy Williams out there outside, or did he think Newsom was fairly successful on the outside uh, corner position last year?
0: Well, I think Newsom will only get better. And I think people like the idea of long term Newsom and Ward. And I think that that's a very good possibility. Um, I just think that they are you know they traded Troy Hill for a reason he was your number one slot and and I just think they're going to give Newsom a lot of work and if if they're better if they feel they have more depth on the outside then then they'll play Williams or AJ Green could be battling for the starting role or or Martin Emerson um, as well so they had to feel good enough to move Hill and they had to have you know, plans in place. We see that Newsom's been in the slot. He said he feels comfortable in there. That's a very important position. A lot of times it's the best receiver, you know, one of the best receivers, you know, on the team is in the slot. And so I just think that wherever they think that if they're weaker on the outside, then they'd put him back out there. But if they feel Williams can handle it or AJ Green can handle it, then, then they'll do that. So. Um, I just think they just keep preaching versatility with all these guys. And I just think they want, you know, one guy goes down, they got a backup plan, but Newsom very well could be the slot. But if I think he'd be out there majority of the place, he's not going to come in and passing downs. He'd be out there, maybe first down, second down on the outside, then move into the slot and put, you know, Williams on the outside, you know, on third down or something like that.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, well, the drafting of Emerson gives them some flexibility there. Uh, That's an interesting sort of wild card uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, how things are going to develop during camp. Uh, Paul wants proof of life for Cookie. Uh, That's not available at the present time. It's just going to have to be a mystery, uh, sort of a cliffhanger that brings you back for next week's show. Uh, So enjoy that. Uh, I'm sure her barking will return soon enough. Uh, Fumble 13 says, please tell Brad we appreciate his work on the site. I see the hate he gets on Twitter, and it's ridiculous. And I completely agree with you. It's one of the reasons I've just turned away from Twitter. Personally, it's a great place to get insulted and ripped apart for giving people free information. Uh, it just doesn't, you know, he, he gets a lot of hate that he doesn't deserve. Uh, he's, a, he's a terrific young man, and he works very, very hard. Uh, so that's all I got to say about that. And that takes us up to uh, eight (laughs) o'clock. I I am not going to provide a picture with today's newspaper uh, because I don't get a newspaper. You're just going to have to trust me or be in the mystery until next week when the barking begins anew. And uh, that is all, folks. Uh, Appreciate you hanging out with us. Fred, as always, thank you for your wisdom, sir. Much appreciated. Thanks, everybody.